And so I felt like there was a slight disparity between my understanding of English and what I was just processing and reading at the same time. So I think a big part was um, realizing that I can understand Hindi, I can understand English, um, but also like the context and the more like the significance of the words, like the meanings of the words rather than just memorizing and just, I don't know, like repetition, that kind of thing. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast from Elevation Education that explores how we can help make an impact on our nation's highest growing student demographic, multilingual learners. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. This is a special bonus episode celebrating one of our Elevation Scholarship winners, so we're going to get right into it today. How can relationship building and interpersonal connections play a pivotal role in English learners developing a love of reading? What can educators do to encourage students to move outside their comfort zones at school, especially when it comes to reading academic content? How can providing students with leadership opportunities enhance learning and inspire students to think in new ways? We discuss these questions and much more with Shreya Rohatki, a first-year college student at the University of Oklahoma who earned one of Elevation scholarships last year. Shreya is a biochemistry major with a minor in psychology. She's also intentionally taking classes that invoke her creative side, which she feels is an important part of a well-rounded education. She is also a member of the President's Leaders Club, where she has been lucky to be a part of what she calls a patchwork of people whose individual talents and experiences come together to create something powerful. We caught up with Shreya in the middle of our application period for Elevation's 2022 scholarship. We hope our conversation with her inspires you to encourage your students to apply. We'll accept applications through May 12th, and you can find all the information you need on our community page at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community. As always, thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Shreya Rohatki. Shreya Rohatki, thank you so much for joining us on Highest Aspirations. Yeah, thank you for having me. This uh, has been a long time coming. I actually say that pretty frequently, I feel like, but for you, like you won our Elevation Scholarship last year, you're about to finish your first year of college, <laughs> and you've been so incredibly persistent in making sure that this happens, and I feel like I've done a little bit of that as well, but it's mostly been you. So first, thank you for your <laughs> persistence. It's really nice to have you on. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like the biggest thing was just communicating, and this is something I was really looking forward to, so I'm glad that we finally got it to work out. Yeah, for sure. And in some ways, I think it's going to be kind of cool because I mentioned at the beginning, we're actually just launching our scholarship program for this coming year. So people can kind of listen to this and think about, you know, your experience, maybe how it's helped you. So I I want to start like last time we talked, and that was a while ago, um, we had talked first a little bit about your childhood. So I want to kind of start there. Um, I know you and your older brother grew up speaking Hindi at home and mm-hmm. your parents learned about your school's ESL program through a neighbor. Um, which which mm-hmm. is not super uncommon. You didn't spend a whole lot of time in the program, is my understanding. Um, but how do you think it impacted kind of your academic trajectory from then on? Yeah, so whenever I first learned, like my brother being two years older than me, um, he kind of only spoke Hindi at home and that was his first language. And then later on, he slowly started learning English as he went to school. And I think um, I was a little bit luckier in the fact that I learned Hindi and English at the same time. So it right. was a little bit easier of a transition. Um, But still, I feel like growing up in a household that was bilingual, for the most part, we spoke Hindi at home and like adjusting to a new school and um, especially like an elementary school. And they have um, I don't know if you remember, but like we talked about the little tests where you had to like read certain words and kind of just work on proficiency rather than reading for understanding and context. 
And so I felt like there was a slight disparity between my understanding of English and what I was just processing and reading at the same time. So I think a big part was um, realizing that I can understand Hindi, I can understand English, um, but also like the context and the more like the significance of the words, like the meanings of the words rather than just memorizing and just, I don't know, like repetition, that kind of thing. Because in my mind, um, the goal is to read the passage as fast as you can, right? Get as many words per minute mm -hmm. versus answering questions, understanding what is truly going on. And that's something I had a little bit of um, a harder time as I was growing up through elementary and everything like that. Um, it was a little bit harder for me to read those passages and gain that understanding. But I think in that program and with the help of my older brother and my family, obviously, um, I was able to kind of overcome that barrier. Yeah. You know, and what you're bringing up particularly with the reading piece and like doing it quickly instead of for comprehension is, um, something that we've actually talked about, uh, on the podcast before with, with experts in the field. So more of a research kind of driven, um, piece there, but there is, um, there's a lot to that about the idea of what does it mean to read for comprehension? What does it mean to really understand something? And interestingly, you and I had chatted about that last time. And I want to go a little bit deeper with that because you, you said that you always loved reading, but you weren't mm -hmm. necessarily prepared to read anything kind of out of your, your comfort zone. Um, mm -hmm. And you talked a little bit about kind of how that impacted you. are always trying to like get it done, which is a kind of a typical thing that students mm -hmm. do when they don't have motivation beyond just the grade. But how did that that impact um, your ability to really comprehend that academic vocabulary that you'd need later in your academic career, especially now that you're studying in college? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing was trying to like force myself out of that comfort zone. Um, I know I'm a big fiction reader. I love reading anything that's like storytelling, like that that narrative. It just um, it suits me really well. And I kind of had a hard time reading those like more academic works, like. Um, the first one that comes to mind, like Catcher in the Rye, things like that, where it's more like the language and the the context of the story is very different from like modern contemporary lit or something like that. And I think the biggest thing was pushing myself. And I had really great teachers that um, one who actually required us to read one AP level book um, per like nine weeks of school. And so that was something that I naturally wouldn't have done by myself. But because he pushed me and because he told me, no, this is something you need to do um, in college later on in life. And just to understand that there are things that exist beyond just your little world. There's um, all these different routes that you have to take. And unless you experience those and unless you kind of face how slightly uncomfortable they might be, um, you're never going to get that kind of full experience and you're not going to be able to kind of expand your horizons a bit. So I think um, having those teachers, having those mentors that were able to kind of push me outside my little bubble um, was really beneficial. And I think that's probably what helped with my understanding of academic language and um, the way that it's written in those like types of novels and even like research papers that I have to read now um, for lab reports and all that kind of that like more academic level language that I wasn't really, I personally wasn't seeking out. So I think that's what made a big impact is the people that pushed me beyond my little bubble. So yeah, that's really well said. And that's a delicate balance pushing as somebody who is a teacher myself for a long time, high school teacher, it's, it's mm -hmm. a delicate balance to get somebody sort of out of their comfort zone, but not so far out of their comfort zone that they're like lost and then they give up mm -hmm. and that, you know, and, in, in, in pedagogical terms, we call that productive struggle, right? The, the point mm -hmm. where you're, you're challenging yourself, you're struggling, but it's going to produce something in the end. It's not going to kind of take you out. And it sounds like you had some people who are kind of experts at doing that for you. Mm -hmm. Um, 
let's get back to the kind of reading for speed kind of thing. Um, and I, I guess you've kind of already explained the challenge that you had with that and, and kind of one of the maybe um, problems with the way that we teach reading or that we go about reading to students. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, um, like, could you provide some advice? Like, what would you like to see changed when it comes to teaching students how to read effectively, particularly multilingual students who are either have learned English before or still kind mm -hmm. of um, trying to learn? I think one of the things that I, like going back as of um, going through high school and things like that, there were programs where we had older kids kind of come back to elementary schools and just read um, with some of the younger students and just kind of spend that time. And I think that's like something that I personally kind of wish I had. I wish I had like an older student or and I had my brother for the most part, but it just like someone who was like several grades above that kind of had just been through the entire school process and could come back and relate to maybe some of the struggles that I had. And maybe having those programs where you have like other bilingual students come back and help um, maybe some of the students in ESL and just like spend time, read with them because those are probably the people that understand their situation best. And I think with having teachers um, who are, like they've understood the entire process, that kind of thing, sometimes there can be a little bit of an age gap between the current students in ESL and the ones that are in high school. So I think having um, that kind of interaction between um, those like fellow students. I know whenever I went back and I was reading, I think it was like Frog and Toad books, which again, they're um, like, I have a little bit of nostalgia with them and it was really nice to see that kind of generational thing kind of continue mm -hmm. on. And I think just that biggest thing is like having that relationship between an older student and a younger student and um, understanding that like this passion for reading and this um, kind of, you grow a love for reading rather than just like for context and that kind of thing. Um, and it's more about the memories that you make with a student and the bonding that you have with that student than it is with just, again, like uh, memorizing or reading for attention, things like that. So just make it like a more enjoyable experience rather than, and obviously there are certain reasons why they have those tests and making sure everyone's proficient. Um, but I think just going like above and beyond um, and having that kind of interpersonal uh, connection between like bilingual students, I think that's what would be really helpful. Yeah, re really well said. And, uh, you know, you mentioned um, mentoring before in the context of teachers, like teachers to mentor mm -hmm. you, well, you know, when it came to reading out of your comfort zone, et cetera. And now you're talking about that with students, um, other students, older students coming back. And I think that's great. And there's a lot of um, really good uh, programs at schools that are, that are doing that. And it's, it's a relatively mm -hmm. easy thing to put into place and it benefits both parties. So I think that's really mm -hmm. good advice. The other thing that you kind of are getting at too here is, um, the importance of building relationships and trust, right? Like mm -hmm. you just said, like what we're going to, what we're going to remember most of the interpersonal relationships we develop. And also I think you were getting at, and correct me if I'm wrong, that when you have those interpersonal relationships in place and you have that trust, it's going to be easier to learn and you're going to learn the important things, right? Like not the content Absolutely. specific stuff. Um, is there, can you think of like a time where um, either a teacher or maybe a mentor, maybe your brother, somebody like, was there for you in that way. And it really kind mm -hmm. of like, um, it, 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 it resounded for you in a way that kind of affected you. Can you think of a time or a place where that might've happened? I'm just looking for like a specific example. If you haven't, I know I'm putting you on the spot. That's okay. Um, I think the first that comes to mind is I had similar in the way, like I read the frog and toad books with, um, some of the elementary students, my brother and I, I remember like I'd sit with a book and I can't remember if it was, um, 
I don't know if it was like a book called Biscuits or something, but it was basically about this puppy and he just like goes through life and just um, is like making, I don't know, a mess. Like he's just um, like having fun doing what a puppy does. And so like, I remember sitting with a book and I was just like frustrated because like, I could obviously like, I was reading through everything, but I was like, this doesn't make sense or something like that. And I was just frustrated. And I remember my brother was like, Shreya, it's okay. Like, slow down, you're fine. And he sat with me and like, we continued and we read and um, thinking back to it, I was like, oh, like that's such a simple task. Like you're just reading words on the page, things like that. But for some reason, the fact that he took a couple seconds and he's like, Shreya, you're fine, just breathe. Um, and like, we just, we got through the rest of the book and I was like, okay, like another one, another one. And so we probably did that for a solid two or three hours. Um, and he just sat there and he read with me. And that's probably like the first, uh, memory that comes to mind. Yeah. He, again, <laughs> human connection and relationships. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. The power of that. It doesn't go away no matter what technology we have or what the newest instructional tool is or the newest <laughs> reading strategy. It's all built, um, on relationships. In fact, I think I've had maybe 200 of these, these conversations with, you know, students like you, teachers, researchers, mm-hmm. authors, lots of people. And every time we talk, it's like it comes down to you got to mm-hmm. have a relationship. You got to have trust. That's what everything is built on. And it's still mind blowing to me that in, that that in some cases that's just not prioritized. I do think mm-hmm. and I'd be interested to hear what you think about here. I do think that the pandemic was a bit of a silver lining here that like mm-hmm. people realize that if you're going to teach online, you have to kind of invest in getting to know students and maybe people coming back to school now are really kind of redoubling their efforts. I hope. I don't know. What do you think? No, I think definitely um, I was a junior in high school whenever we went through the pandemic. And I think like having that switch to online learning, it kind of made a bigger difference because whenever a teacher would be like, I don't want to teach you just like black screens, like I'd love to see your face. Um, And it just really emphasized how important it was to see students and just hear their voices and things like that, rather than just turning on screen writing something out, writing an equation and just having like responses in the chat. And I think like I mentioned before, um, those interpersonal relationships, sometimes when we were in person, we took for granted. We're like, oh, it's fine. Just going to class, like the mundane kind of activities again and again. Um, But when we realized that was like a big factor in our life that was just removed so quickly, um, we realized that, no, maybe there's kind of, we should be more grateful for the fact that like one, teachers are there every day. They show up, they're teaching, they're here. Um, because they like they love to do it and we should be grateful um, and appreciate all the sacrifices they made to like teach us and um, obviously just kind of create a classroom and I know I definitely had some uh, teachers that their classroom just felt like a safe space like I'd get there like I don't know in like my first hour um, my sophomore English my high school um, sophomore English teacher his class just felt like the great way to start the day because um, he'd come in, he'd be very excited, and we'd do like some grammar practice, um, just like everyday stuff for English. But then afterwards, his class was really centered around um, having conversation and just understanding like English as a whole, rather than read so many books, uh, learn how to write so many papers for AP, whatever. Um, so his class was more restructuring the way that you think and being more um, creative and just, and I'm a fairly analytical person. I like to have like black and white answers. And so his uh, kind of teaching style got me to think out of the box and realize there's more to life than just maybe a black and white answer. There's like live in the gray a little. And um, again, like he pushed me out of my comfort zone, but I was very grateful for that because up until that point, I probably hadn't had anyone who was willing to do that kind of um, pushing and just making sure that I was able to uh, kind of expand my horizon a little bit more than I intended to. 
Yeah, that's a great point. You got to be able to function in a variety of different places. It doesn't mean you need to specialize in it. You can be an analytical, mm-hmm. you can continue being an analytical person, but if you can't also see the creative side and the value of it, um, that can certainly be uh, certainly be difficult. Um, all right, so let's talk about what you're doing now, because again, this is kind of a unique um, <laughs> experience. Usually, we interview you all when when you're about to go to school, but you're mm-hmm. you're currently finishing your first year at Oklahoma University, right? Yes, University of Oklahoma. University of Oklahoma. Sorry, sorry <laughs> to everybody at the University of Oklahoma. <laughs> it's the University of Oklahoma. Um, what 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 are some of the highlights of of your college career so far uh has anything surprised Mm -hmm. you what are you do you have a major i'd love to hear a little bit more about your first year i do um i'm a biochemical biochemistry major that's um, analytical very analytical (laughs) um i was like pre-med doing that um but my minor is psychology and so right now most of my classes have been focused on like chemistry upper level chemistry and preparing to take ochem in the fall so a little nervous but hopefully that'll be okay um, and I think for the most part, like, wait, 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 just one second for those who don't know, I think OCHEM is organic chemistry, right? Yes. Organic that's the, chemistry. That's, that's the thing like, that, that made me decide I should not any longer be an environmental science major and switch my major to Spanish. That's what organic chemistry did really? for me. Tremendous respect for it, but, uh, <laughs> very difficult. I wish you the best of luck. You'll do fine. Better than me. I'm sure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's a uh, little reassuring. Um, I know at least like the track that I have planned out is very like STEM analytical, like that kind of thing. But I've also found that I've taken classes, like currently I'm taking great discoveries in archeology, span which normally I would never thought to take. Um, Last semester, I took a film and media studies class. Again, probably would not have just taken that just on my own, but I was one, I needed to fill some gen eds. And two, I wanted classes that would kind of invoke that creative side rather than just research and lab and all that kind of um, STEM stuff. But I think taking those classes forced me again, like out of my comfort zone, rather than maybe like a novel or a genre. This is like a class that kind of invokes that other line of thinking and reasoning. And um, I remember like the first week of class in my film and media studies um, lecture, we watched Die Hard, which is a movie I've never seen before. Probably yeah. should have. It's an American classic. Um, and it was just something that's like I've been closed off. I've been like kind of in the same routine of like these are the movies that I like. These are the movies that. Um, I've kind of grown up with nostalgia and I was like oh how have I never seen this movie it's so good and um, just the ways that I've been trying to take classes or trying to be involved in experiences that will kind of expand like my thinking and like my personal skills as a whole so like great discoveries of archaeology film media studies as far as like lecture and classes go and then outside of school outside of what I'm involved in Um, academically, I'm in the University of Oklahoma's President's Leadership class, which is a group of, um, I believe it's like the top 3% of applicants or something out of like everyone who applied. Um, They get selected and then narrowed down based on like academic and um, different like achievements that you've done and like leadership skills, all that kind of stuff. And so I originally like went into this thinking, oh, like this is cool. Um, It's like another at first, I thought of it as like another thing to add to like a resume or something like it's just a title. And then I realized that this is a group of people that are going to be like the future leaders, hopefully in like the workplace and universities and just like other parts of um, the world. And I actually luckily met some of my like best friends that I consider in college right now. And um, just the way that we're all so different, but we're like when we come together, because we have like people from 
all over Oklahoma. We have some people from across the nation, even some international students. And I kind of think of it as a patchwork of everyone has their individual talents, everyone's unique. Um, but when we come together, we make something that's pretty um, powerful. And we're just the, I don't know, I just like to think how, like we're all kind of like a patchwork or like a quilt that we just like fit together. And um, yeah, like, so one of the things that we recently did was a LoveWorks presentation where we went to um, a nonprofit organization and there were two groups of students. One was middle school, like grade level, and the other was, uh, I believe, fourth or fifth grade. So I want to say fourth or fifth grade and seventh and eighth graders, like those are the two groups. And we had like of our probably 20 people in PLC, um, we had to give a leadership presentation. So ours was called Pocket Change. And it's just the way that, and again, it ties back to interpersonal relationships. Um, the fact that there's going to be some people in your life that add to your, like a metaphorical bucket, they're going to add to it and um, fill your bucket. And then there's going to be some people who maybe are taking from your bucket and taking from your energy. And so making sure how to balance relationships and how to understand that this is someone um, who is beneficial. They're like, I can lean on them. They can lean on me. Or maybe this is someone who I've spent a little bit more time and energy with, and I haven't really felt that same reciprocation of feelings. And so it was just like that concept, which again is probably not like the biggest deal or not like that kind of like the biggest um, or the most complex idea. But when you simplify it down to who are the people in my life that I love and that I can trust versus who are some of the people that aren't as um, like reciprocate, reciprocative mm -hmm. of those feelings. So I think like that was a lesson that personally resonated with me a lot because I started thinking now I'm at college, now I'm meeting all these new people. Who are the people that I like, who's my support system kind of thing, right? Because everyone needs a support system. Everyone needs someone to lean on. And it was kind of a wake up call for me to realize that I don't have to be so independent. I don't have to just be reliant on myself because that's something I tend to do. I tend to just realize, okay, like, no one in the world understands what I'm going through. Like I'm on this alone. Like I'm just like going through life. And I tend to like just isolate myself a little bit because I think if I stop and I think about what I'm doing, I won't have time to accomplish like A, B, and C, right? So I realized to kind of let back a little and just like not be as um, just like reliant on myself and mm -hmm. kind of like lean on those people. So I think having a network of friends and just understanding that there are people out there that are similar to me and that are going through some of the same things I'm going through. I think that's like one of the biggest wake-up calls I've had to deal with, which again, not that like hard of a concept to think about, but for me personally to go through was um, something I saw a lot of growth in myself from between like high school and then now in college. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a difficult concept, but it's difficult <laughs> to put into practice. I think that's the difference. Like it takes a lot of people, myself included, a lot longer than it took you to 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 realize those things. Um, and and those those are the things. You know, all the content and everything that you learn. Um, it's all really really important. But at the end of the day, moving this is like thread of this conversation has been relationships, right? Like it's mm -hmm. crucial to understand that yes, you're not alone, and that how can you make sure that you have the support that you need while also providing other people with the support um, that they need. Because, you know, life is constantly changing and you're going to need the support of others. It takes a community. Um, I love what you said about the kind of the patchwork that's created there. And and I'm just, I'm really grateful to hear that that seems to be a priority um, in your, not only in your own life and you're very, um, I don't know how else to describe it, but mature or wise, maybe perhaps even beyond your age 
to be able to realize that that's something that you really need to be able to do. But not only that, it seems like the University of Oklahoma, or at least this particular program, is prioritizing that. So it's not just mm -hmm. all about academics. We hear a lot about social emotional learning and supporting students in that way. Well, here's a great example of something that's happening in higher ed that is cl clearly having an impact on you and will for the rest of your life. So that's really, really important. I'm glad you described mm -hmm. that. Um, so normally now with these interviews, I ask kind of what advice you'd give for for language learners um, who maybe have experienced experiences like you, but I'm going to change that question a little bit because we kind of have an opportunity here. There's a lot of people who are probably now thinking about most people who listen to this podcast are teachers and they're going to say they're going to now give their students the um, ability to apply for the scholarship that we put out which you applied for and you mm -hmm. won you got one so I guess what advice would you give first to teachers who are going to try to convince their students to actually apply for this um, and two what advice would you give to to students to, to try to put their best foot forward in an application and possibly um, you know get some support for their higher education and and by the way, I shouldn't just. I'm not talking about this app. This is one scholarship of many. So let's talk about like all the scholarship opportunities that are available. Yeah, I think um, a message for teachers would be like, obviously, at the end of the day, college is expensive, and there's one of the best things that you can do is take your experiences and tell your story. And um, if you can, obviously, like figure out scholarships and apply it to as many as you can. Because at the end of the day, everything that you're doing is just going to set yourself up for um, future accomplishments and future success. So the time that you take now, um, if you can invest in your students and push them to um, apply for scholarships, and obviously not everyone's going to, but the students who are truly passionate and truly um, putting in the effort, I think that'll show. And for the students, I think just really, what's your story? Like, who are you trying to become like that kind of thing? And obviously not everyone has it figured out. Everyone changes their major. Um, I know I had a little bit of trouble whenever I was deciding line. I was like, do I want to do pre-med? Do I want to do something else, explore other options? And I think now is the time to take um, whatever time you have left before you start applying to college or applying to scholarships if you have already and figure out who you want to be. And at the end of the day, what's your story? Who, um, which again is like easy enough to just say and put on paper, but whenever you're trying to explain it, it's a lot harder because you're the, your story is like all the experiences, all the accomplishments, um, maybe like the peaks and valleys that you've had and just trying to be as real to yourself as possible because you can start writing, you can have a prompt or something and you can just go and like write out everything that the um, colleges are looking for. But at the end of the day, is that true to you? Is that true to yourself? So I think, I guess, um, the simplest thing is just be yourself and just try to start with a memory or start with a little anecdote. That's something I personally like to do because it helps the reader understand who you are and maybe put your, put themselves in your shoes. And again, I guess it ties back to my love for storytelling and just fiction and all those narratives because it starts whenever I read an, like an essay or an application or something that starts off as a memory, I'm just more inclined to like imagine that and just picture it. I'm very visual. And so I just see this person and I can kind of relate to them a little bit more mm -hmm. so I can understand them a little bit more. So I think that's probably my advice to students who are applying, um, maybe writing these scholarship essays and just telling, figuring out who they are. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, I am not personally responsible for reading the uh, scholarship, so I can't, <laughs> I can't give any inside information. And I'm not sure I would if I could even, but that's, I think that's really, um, really good advice. So thank you for that. Um, mm -hmm. 
So last question, Trey, this is a question that we ask everybody who comes on the podcast. And that is if there is a book or a film or any other resource really that has had an important influence on you, either academically or personally, it can really be anything. Mm-hmm. I think um, the first time you mentioned this, one book just popped out in my head and I just, I thought of it immediately. Um, it's called Supermarket by Bobby Hall, also known as Logic. Um, he's a rapper for um, some of you guys that follow that, but he is, originally this was one of the books that my sophomore English teacher, he had mentioned, and uh, every semester we had to do a report on an AP level book and then a book that we could just read for fun, and one of my classmates did a report on this book, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, I'll check it out, and then quarantine happened, and I was like, oh, I need new books, I need something, and my friend reached out to me, he's like, hey, I have a copy of this book, do you want to borrow it, and I was like, absolutely, and so I started reading it and it's one of the books that it challenges, like as you're reading it, you're constantly left challenging. Is this actually happening? Is this not? Because the main character goes through um, slight, like not episodes, but like you'll have things that like, is this real life? Is this not? Is this in my head? And the beginning of the book actually starts out with the ending. So the way that it ends is like it starts off on a cliffhanger, if that kind of makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, and it just it challenges the reader to think what is truth, what is fiction, what is like reality. And it's something that I think is um, the message that I pulled outside of the book, outside of the novel, is thinking about like my everyday life, what kind of um, intentions, what actions am I taking and what are the consequences of those? And thinking maybe like I'm someone who plans everything out. It's like I have my Google calendar open, making sure I have everything done. Um, and kind of just like forcing myself to maybe make decisions I wouldn't normally make. And obviously, like the actions that I take, they're not always going to line up. I'm not always going to have my day planned out. But it kind of uh, the themes in this book allowed me to realize it's OK to do things that are different once in a while. Or it's OK to kind of live off the cuff and just, you know, uh, make choices I wouldn't normally make. And I think the best experience happens whenever they're unplanned, that kind of like whenever you're just hanging out with friends and um, someone actually mentioned this to me and they were talking the very similar mindset that I have of we have two hours, what do we want to do? Where are we going? That kind of thing. But rather than like the two hours of spending of like trying to figure out what we're doing, just spending that time with someone, enjoying that, like their um, presence and just being there and just having a conversation, I think, um, because you can plan out your day and say, we're going to like X, Y, Z, we're doing all these um, different events. But then when it comes down to it, I'd much rather probably just sit in a car in a parking lot and just spend two hours with that person just talking, catching up. And um, I think this book kind of forced me to, again, go outside of my comfort zone, um, a little bit beyond my bubble and challenge what is the life that I'm living? What's the life that I want to live? And how can I kind of just be, I don't know, just like live like a little bit more unplanned and just kind of do um, make choices that I would normally make and have those fun experiences that wouldn't come from a Google calendar. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that book recommendation, I think really does a good job of kind of wrapping up what you've, what you've mentioned a lot of times today. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. it. The ability to kind of step out of your comfort zone and for, you met, you know, just describing yourself as someone who's a planner, but your desire to kind of step out of that when, when applicable and when you can to kind of be in the moment you said something that really resonated with me, which is um, how much time we can spend figuring out what we're trying to do. And, you know, I, as somebody who's, who's older than you come from a, uh, you know, my, the, the, the internet and all of this madness 
that we live in today, not necessarily all madness, but you know what I mean? Kind of, kind of began at a very formative time for me, you know, and I was true, but when I was probably around your age. And so I can remember very clearly what it was like kind of pre all of the sort of distractions that we have today. And one of the things, and it could just be me getting older and curmudgeonly, I don't know, but it's, I, 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 we spend so much time trying to figure out what we're going to do and you can get paralyzed. Like there's so much information like on your phone that you can just, you can just find it right away. So it's good to be, it's good to be curious and, and satisfy that curiosity. But I don't know, like at some point you end up doing what you said, which is trying to figure out what you're going to do rather than just doing it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even as somebody who I feel like I've had some, some life experience, I find myself doing that. So what you said, I think is, is, um, is really, really wise. And I think the moral of the story here is do everything you can to try to step out mm-hmm. of your comfort zone and become, you know, the most complete version of yourself that, that you can be. That's great. Yeah, I think um, that's probably one of the things I've been trying to do a little bit more ever since probably quarantine where I realized maybe like it's best to just kind of like live day by day, kind of uh, be like in the moment, be present rather than thinking about like every single thing down the line. So just like being living with attention and being grateful are probably like two things that I try to uh, incorporate more and more into like my daily life. Yeah. Good for you. Well, I'm I'm very grateful for for this conversation. It was really great, um, and I'm glad that we were able to kind of do it when we did, um, so we kind of track you throughout your first year. And what I'll say here that, that for me, uh, it's very clear that we've um, we've we've given a scholarship to a, a very well deserving student. So um, we appreciate you, and we wish you uh, on behalf of everybody at Elevation the the very best of luck moving forward. And I hope we can keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again so much for having me, and um, I really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.